I do like that the zombie reveals itself quickly, that they're not dead and put them in the ground. They, you know, that way you, you don't have to like wait long to figure out was this person bitten or not. Like that, that, that seems to even up a lot of possible plot holes, don't you think? It, it definitely seems to go by the rule of the more fatal the bite, the more quicker the zombification, which is, right. yeah. I think, perfectly fine rules. Slight cut, slow infection. Yeah. Yeah. Neck wound. Instant turn. Boom. Instant turn. Yeah. Or, yeah. As soon as yeah. As soon happens. as you die. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Which is going to be pretty quick with a neck wound. Pretty quick. But so, so, because so, that yeah. jugular, it's over. So the infection <laughs> is there. You are there. So as soon as you, you, you finally code out, like you're going to, but within, we're talking within less than 60 seconds, right? No time wasted. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I, and I appreciate that. It's like, you don't have like bodies like laying off. It's been a day and suddenly somebody's coming up out of the, and it kind of plays the, with the that suspense room. too. Cause yeah. you're like, wait, how long, when is it going to turn? Yeah. Is yeah. it going to be any second? And then, because they are like rage zombies, like twenty eight days later, they're they're running at you. So yeah, it is sort of yeah, in, in a lot of ways, very much the opposite of its progenitor, right? Uh, in that regard, because there is much more suspense uh, in the Romero sort of rule of zombie mm-hmm. uh, virus. It's fun. So I mean, but but because of an action movie kind of genre, yeah, it makes sense, and so I'm, I'm kind of there for it. You know, I, I'm okay with the, the shift there. You know, you did just make me realize though, in the twenty eight movies that mm-hmm. if you get murked by a, or an infected you're you're just done right like if they totally you know pull you limb from limb like in uh day of the dead that's it you're done so yeah kind of a more uh g- more gentle zombie apocalypse <laughs> the, the the gentle apocalypse that's yeah. the name of my new folk band yeah gentle apocalypse the genteel the genteel apocalypse now now we're talking the genteel uh, apocalypse gentlemen <laughs> um, hello everybody and welcome again to the good trash honor cast we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course and it is shocktober 10 that's right october halloween movies because it's a movie podcast is what everybody does and uh, we're moving right on but into... we've been doing it longer than them that's right we've been doing it for 10 years y'all wow wow that's a thing totally a thing hey um we're gonna do dawn of the dead it's remake season, baby. So, yeah, we're doing all remakes. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And in case you're tuning in for the very first time, we got to warn you, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show, and that does mean spoilers. We will find out if they make it out of the mall or not, and perhaps what happens after. So who, uh, who Who's alive and what will be left of them, Dustin, I yes. ask you? Um, we will tell you, but not yet. We will wait. Um, the remains will be at the remainder of the show at the end, because at the first, the show will avoid the spoilers. We'll have synopsis that's spoiler-free. We'll have gentle thumbs-up, thumbs-down review spoilers. We'll have a slightly more significant spoilage when we do an expanding the syllabus exercise. And then finally, we get down to business, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. And that business is, as always, analysis. So with that, Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you have a synopsis to delight us with? I do. With um, which to delight us? We can't end with a preposition. You can't do that. That's bad. <laughs> You've grammar. seen Beavis, uh, Beavis and Butthead do America, right? I have. <laughs> okay. It just, it's, my, it's my favorite donut is it's a preposition joke. A mysterious virus begins infecting people around the globe, which results in dead bodies coming back to life with a hunger for flesh. A group of survivors find solace in an abandoned mall, but as the days go by... They have to struggle to keep their wits about them as their fortress faces a growing ghoulish threat. Dun, dun, dun. Horror movie in action ensues. Is this the first time we've done a remake on the show after having done the original? Uh, n- n- unless you count our double episode of uh, Infernal, Infernal Affairs and Departed. Departed. I think so, though. Yeah, other than that one. I think this is the only time that we... And that was intentional. This was kind of not intentional. I mean, yeah, we, I didn't th- I hadn't, I hadn't thought that about it. Yeah, that was a double episode, but you're right. We This just kind of happened. Yeah. We yeah. called an audible. This wasn't originally on the docket. What was my... Uh, let me see if it's in this document. Is it, it may have been... Don't doing a little, doing a little backlog checking. I was going to see if I had that synopsis in here, but I don't think I do. Oh well, that's too bad. I would have very much liked to have heard that. Heard the Don synopsis. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's almost the same movie, but kind of not. It's a, it's a very much a spiritual remake. Yeah, for sure. There's there's characters that are kind of correspondent to characters that exist in the other movie, but largely it is just. But what if there were zombies in a mall? Right. I, I do like Ving Rhames much more than I do his predecessor. He's a much more likable character. I mean, he's Ving Rhames. Yes. Come on. There's not that to love. Well. I think this is one of the first movies that I like. really remember falling in love with Ving Rhames in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because um, yeah. I hadn't, I definitely hadn't caught up with Pulp Fiction when I uh, saw this for the first time. Yeah, I'd seen Pulp before this already, so oh, I, yeah. I was there for this. You were already movie movie pilled. I was still just kind of getting my sea legs, as it were. Mm. This was a bit. This was big. Uh, public school in eighth grade in two thousand four. This is a big movie. Yeah, everybody was talking about this one. Oh yeah, and it was. I mean, did it start that zombie craze? I don't know. I think I it's mean, this in twenty eight days. There's a chicken. And, there's a chicken and egg conversation with. I mean, just Kirkman's whether or not the Walking Dead comics themselves kind of did it already. Uh, not not out yet. Oh, was it not out yet? Those don't start releasing until like oh six. I think. really see. I yeah, I mean, it's this that. in twenty eight days. I mean, this is this probably it. gives more impetus to that being a thing. Yeah. Especially the show being greenlit. Oh, especially the show. I, I mean, yeah. this is this movie's big enough that it got Romero. I mean, it's zombie movie. I mean, it's this is Shaun of the Dead, and it's twenty eight days later that really. Uh, and I guess the, the Resident Evil games. Uh, oh yeah, and yeah. that's that's the argument that, that totally could be there. made. Is that Resident Evil kind of Japan? Yeah, Japan's kind of got the first wave of the zombie resurgence. I guess they've got some movies towards the end of the eighties yeah. and nineties. Yeah, that are pretty notable. Tokyo Zombie is one of them. Yep. There's yeah, a couple others. That's a thing. And there's a graphic novel. And, yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's 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 bubbling, I and mean, yeah. I think this is definitely the critical mass point for sure. It so, definitely bubbles over. With that, do fast zombies suck? Dalton, go. Yeah, I mean, they're a byproduct of their era. Right, I think they are very much a post nine eleven phenomenon, and I look. I, I know it's boring to talk about that on really any media show, uh, but you know we are talking about the decade that follows uh, that event and the remakes that kind of populate this, the multiplex during that time. Uh, this film also does kind of make a with its opening montage. I guess not opening after we get our coda, mm-hmm. our, our prologue. We do go to an opening credits that does directly tie the the zombies uh, to the world of Islam. Uh, I don't know, and that's just following basic images, you know. Right, the montage rules, right? I I don't make the rules. Montage makes rules. Me, me no rules. Uh, <laughs> see, see Maggie Mayfish. She's got a good series on Zack Snyder that kind of deals with. Uh, how hard it is to talk about the opening of this movie and really any of his movies, just because he has sort of got a cult of personality around him. Um, and I think those are the two criteria you kind of have to use, right? He's got a cult of personality, so you have to look at this in the context of his filmography. And this is, of course, a remake of another movie, and you have to look at that and look at it in that context. And in both of those contexts, I think uh, they balance each other out because this is definitely one of his better movies, uh, and it is definitely not as good as the original. Uh, now, is it as fun as the original? Yeah, sure. I, I think it's about as fun. Um, it's definitely quicker. You know, a little less sitting and thinking time, a little less existential dread, which is kind of what I like in my, my zombie stuff. Uh, but this has definitely got a little bit of that. It's just not focused on it. It's focused on the the heads blowing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got good bits, you know, and it's hard to tell which of those bits are uh, Snyder originals and which come from uh, Zach. <laughs> Sean Gunn's not not Sean Gunn, the other gun. James. James Gunn. Thanks. There's Jimmy. Uh, apparently, there's some big rewrites though after his draft. So I, I feel like you, at the end of the day, most of this movie becomes Snyder's baby. But there's some bits in here that are, you know, in line with both of their senses of humor. And I yeah. kind of appreciate that about this movie. It's got yeah. a lot more jokes than mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead. Seventy eight. Is that right? That sounds right. That uh, feels we'll close. Uh, I'll yeah, allow it. I, I'm more or less into this movie, though. I, you know, I think it's got some messy stuff, but I, I like a lot of things about it. Uh, I love its cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Pauly is kind of an all-time great zombie movie protagonist. Uh, Ving Rhames is fantastic as her co-lead, um, and, and I, I like that the movie does kind of give them. Once Ving Rhames is introduced, it kind of gives them both equal dramatic heft, which I, I think it's fun that it's mostly a two-hander. Um, as far as who's in charge of this, because that's, I think, the strength of the original, right, is it is that character study of these three people. We got a lot more bodies, meaning a lot more casualties here, but when we get into analysis, I'll talk about why I like that. I like that the human element isn't really an issue in this, uh, other than, you know, the, the, the humans that are getting back up from being dead. Uh, and I think that's interesting, uh, especially considering Snyder's kind of overwhelmingly conservative filmography. It's interesting that mutual collaboration uh, sort of is the order of the day in this movie. And I think that's interesting. And I, I, I look forward to talking about that. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. Hey, Arthur, do you like Fast Zombies? Uh, I am a fan. Yes, I, I think it is effective when used correctly. And I think it is used correctly here. Um, I like this movie quite a bit, uh, much like Dalton. I, I recall the, the year it came out as well. 
Um, and so uh, I, I remember seeing it uh, for the first time in, in 2004, maybe, maybe 2005 on home media at a friend's house uh, and really enjoying it. I, I, I love so much that Johnny Cash opening. Uh, I think it is so good. Yes. Um, I, I, I agree. I think it's one of Snyder's strongest films, if not his strongest. Uh, you see those sensibilities that he would become known for, uh, but they're very reined in, I think, uh, due to budget and size constraint and things like that. And I think that works well. Um, and, and I didn't even realize James Gunn was the credited scriptwriter until today. Uh, somehow I'd missed that over the last 20 years. Uh, but... Uh, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I, I, I really do. I, I, I think I enjoy it more. I prefer it to the original quite Interesting. a bit. I, I think it's stronger tonally throughout. Um, and that tonal thing is, is so smart. And, and to your point, I don't know if it's Snyder or if it is Gunn because it does kind of feel like either one of them could make those uh, decisions on those fun record drops, those needle drops. Those are, are like, all Snyder, apparently. Okay. I was yeah. going to say either one of those would work because they both have that same, but that, that ironic right. use of the needle drop but also those needle drops being either uh we got the the parody from richard cheese but also all the elevator music which is a great bit instead of using the actual licensed songs like having that the music is great be a thing is so fun uh and it being easily recognizable music nonetheless that is that tonally at conflict with what's happening that irony is great i think and so all that's a lot of fun i i like the way it works um I think there's a lot of great inner relationship stuff. There's there's so many kind of side stories going on. I think they're all mostly well balanced. Um, I, I like the cast a lot, and so I, I'm a big fan of uh, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Uh, it's the one movie of his I keep going back to, thinking this guy's got it, uh, and and I still appreciate his work after seeing it, uh, and in all the hullabaloo of, of who Snyder has become. Uh, I, I think it's good to go back to this and see this because I, I think he is a very talented director and filmmaker, uh, and, and it's so hard to get lost in in the group think on the internet of you know him being the greatest ever versus him being the worst ever, uh, which really feels like the two sides of the coin. Truth is definitely somewhere more in the middle. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's a very solid, competent, stylish filmmaker. Have you seen Army of the Dead? No, I haven't seen I it have yet. Not. It's good. I actually. Th- I think I might prefer it to this. Yeah. I think it it kind of has the new. Uh, the new belt of best Snyder movie for me. Uh, I think it is kind of the most cleanest uh, 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 alignment of his like aesthetics and his kind of tonal concerns and just again his his uh, sort of eye for action. So anyway, that's where I land. I enjoy it quite a bit, Dustin. What do you think of Zack Snyder? Did you see this in Dawn theaters? of the Dead? I did not see this. I did not watch this movie until I had been commissioned to write a chapter for a book on The Walking Dead. Oh, wow. And so I was like, well, I guess so I better... I've known you. So I had to learn more things about zombies. And so I watched this movie. And I liked it a lot then, and I like it a lot now. Because I think, as a piece, it works. It is doing that survival horror thing that zombie movies all do uh, to one extent or another with other tonal, thematic, and uh, generic issues that might be wrapped up in this. Now, I, I think this movie, partially the reason why it works so well is because it does a lot less and simply emphasizes what it does do and does it well. And so, is it doing action horror well? Yes. Is it doing comedic bits? Yes. Uh, and is it doing something that's in the wake of 9-11? I mean, we, uh, you've already mentioned it, Dalton, and it's absolutely a post-9-11 movie. And it's doing that, and it's doing it well, without name-dropping, I mean, other than the, you know, the salaming um, Muslims that we see in that early moment there. Other than doing that, um, you know, it doesn't. I don't know. It does. It doesn't beat you over the face with it. It, it has a uh, less Islamophobia than you might expect. Right. Uh, certainly less than three hundred. Right. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And so it does enough to say, okay, well, that's a thing, and as I mean, it's something we're going through at this moment, and uh, makes reference, and then just lets the movie be, knowing that we've made a connection, and uh, you will just have to work it out yourself. And I, I think that works uh, really, really well. And so uh, performances are great. Um, I, I like everybody in this movie doing what they're doing. Uh, even when I hate them, I like them. Mm-hmm. I like I like how I hate them, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so 
yeah, I, I got I got no complaints at all. Uh, we were me and Arthur were talking in the office since Arthur and I office together now again back behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, the secret love that I don't get to be a part of. Uh, it's 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 so much fun. And we were talking about that Johnny Cash needle drop, and I absolutely remembered it was Johnny Cash. But for a moment, I wasn't sure which Cash track it was. When mm. the man comes around was my first guess, and that's what it was. But for a moment, I had a head cannon in which it was "You Are My Sunshine" instead. And honestly, I'm not sure it's not a better choice. Much more Zombie Land choice, a film that I think owes a lot to this one. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, um, I had a moment of headcanon that was very, very fun there uh, with that. But all that to be said, um, yeah, I like this movie. It works. It makes me happy. And uh, I'm I'm always glad to be happy. So what more do you need? Um, you are my sunshine, Dalton. That's oh, what I want to say to well, you. That's very nice of you. And I want to ask you, um, what is expanding the syllabus? Well, that's the next thing that comes in the show. It's Now's the time for that. And what that is, expanding the syllabus, is where we, the hosts, uh, assemble to kind of follow through on the promise of this show. We're going to talk about a movie you wouldn't talk about in a film studies course, and we're going to try our best to do it in a film studies-y way. Uh, that could be a film studies class. It could be something else. Either way, we're going to try to build an academic curriculum uh, around Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, uh, whether it's a unit in a larger course or just a course unto itself. Uh, it is, yeah, it, it's, it's the idea of the show uh, brought to its logical conclusion. Uh, who's, whose turn is it to unveil what they've made? Uh, it's Arthur's turn to unveil first. Good. <laughs> um, I don't know where this would land. It may land in a horror class. It could land in a director's class. Uh, either way, uh, it would work. Uh, but I want to talk about horrifying freshman feature debuts. Horrifying uh, freshman debuts. I yeah, love it. That's, that's where I want to go. We talk about Zack Snyder. Obviously, his first feature film here coming out of commercial and music video work. Um, and so I, I think I want to take that direction. And uh, with his scribe at hand, I want to talk about James Gunn, and we would look at Slither, uh, kind of talk about his trauma roots and what that looks like uh, and how he still kind of applies that today, even though he is now more known as action comedy superhero uh, adjacent. He, he does get his, his kicks and his early start out of that uh, very trauma-heavy uh, mm. background he has, and Slither is kind of part and parcel to that and, and establishes some of those long-running uh, working relationships he has, such as Michael Rooker. And so we'd go there first. Uh, next, got to talk Francis Ford Coppola. We're going to talk Dementia 13 and this kind of early slasher. We're going to talk The School of Roger Corman uh, and maybe talk about some of the other directors that got their start there as well, but Coppola being maybe the most uh, probably notable as far as I mean, prestige and, and class and New Hollywood and Godfather. Mm. Those uh, two so. right there show you kind of the, the breadth of that Cor- Corman school, though, right? I mean, yeah. you got two totally different generations of filmmaker that kind of come up under this guy. Yeah. Um, from there, we'll talk Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, obviously. Uh, next, I want to talk about Peter Jackson, uh, the man who would lead us to The Hobbits. Uh, starts with these very weird horror, comedy, exploitation-type movies, and we've got to look at uh, his spy-spy splatter film, Bad Taste. Uh, from there, we're going to talk Oliver Stone, whose uh, you know ventures into horror with the war uh, are, are probably most notable. I thought about putting Platoon here, but to start him out, we do Seizure, uh, which is his debut uh, as a pure horror movie. Next, we got to talk about James Cameron. Uh, <laughs> and we'll probably watch The Terminator 2, but we're going to talk about his stint, uh, short stint as director on Prana 2 before he gets fired and replaced uh, there. Uh, next, we got to talk Steven Spielberg, his TV movie roots. We got to look at Duel. Cool movie. Um, and see, uh, you know, the rise of Spielberg, who is, I think, somewhat still associated as as this kind of grandfathered in horror director. But I mean, he's become so much beyond that. He is Steven Spielberg. Is, is kind of a TM tier of his own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he he does have those roots in kind of schlocky genre horror. Uh, and finally, I would go with Brian De Palma, kind of the same guy. You know, he's kind of this master of all genres. Uh, director, but he gets to start with uh, the very hard to find Murda Alamad. Uh, but we would probably go with Sisters uh, to start nice. here. Um, and so I, I think that's the way I would look at this, though, is just talking about these directors, many of them who kind of become known as prestige directors or kind of get shoehorned into a different genre who all had their start uh, in uh, horror in some form. And so I think that's just a lot of fun because of how looked down upon horror is often by kind of film snobs, but. Uh, for many of these you know, more prestigious guys like a Coppola or, a, or an Oliver Stone to see them starting theirs is always a lot of fun. All right. All right. I like that very, very much. Thank you, Arthur. 
Dalton, what does your syllabus look like? Uh, it's definitely not going to be a film studies course, although I, I do have a couple of movies uh, in the curriculum. Um, but it's it's disasters and cooperation. Uh, it's probably more of a social psychology or sociology class. We're going to be looking at uh, the human tendency towards cooperation, which is uh, people you don't always think that that's the most intuitive uh, answer. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that and where that idea comes from. Uh, we'll talk about Elite Panic, something I last mentioned on, I think, our Alien 3 episode. Uh, it's a premise from uh, Chess and Clark, two researchers working at a Rutgers uh, University. Basically, the uh, Elite Panic being the premise uh, that they uh, studied, uh, this idea that the, the Elite who have power in society have a tendency towards command and control as opposed to disaster relief during disaster situations that fear of looting that fear of the unwashed masses having no job to go to <laughs> for lack of a, a better way or lack of a cleaner way to put it uh makes everybody feel all twitchy about what the the rest of us are going to do um and again it's, there's some really interesting research on that how that tends to uh, be a self-fulfilling prophecy where that uh the tendency towards control uh, can make things worse. Uh, so we'll look at some kind of classical examples of that. I think the Shirtwaist Factory Fire uh, is, uh, I think uh, I think that's the name of that building. Anyway, the Flatiron Building uh, in New York, I think that's the, the mm-hmm. right building. There's a big textile fire. There's some good examples, most of them industrial accidents, some good examples of elite panic in action. Uh, but we'll, we'll look at the kind of the flip side. We'll look at this book called Black Flags and Windmills by Scott Crow, which uh, is both... Uh, and on the ground documentation, as well as some bits of biography of some of the mutual aid efforts that took place on the ground during Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. um, and, and gets into what what does that look like, especially a gigantic large scale disaster when people are pretty much forced to take care of each other uh, because nobody else is doing anything for them. Uh, how do those responses look, and how does that organization come about? Um, I think then we'll be looking at just mutual aid in general, uh, sort of exploring that as a, a topic, uh, kind of, a, again, in tandem with, but in the juxtaposition to elite panic and uh, how these things kind of bump up against each other. I think that's probably where we'll get into the more movie-centric side of things. We'll watch both Dawn of the Deads, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, and some other disaster movies that are contemporaneous to both of them. So we'll look at probably 28, or not 28 days later, um, The Day After Tomorrow mm-hmm. with Dawn of the Dead, uh, and then Dawn of the Dead original, we'll probably look at something like Poseidon Adventure or Towering Inferno, that's some of fun. those movies. Yeah, and, and look at what, in our, in our American media, what do we depict when we depict disasters? Do we depict mutual cooperation? Uh, do we depict um, people taking care of each other? Or do we depict that scramble for resources? And I think you'll get different answers. I, I, I think the thing that's interesting when you look at disaster and apocalypse movies, there are a lot of different shades of how people are expected to act under those circumstances. I think the uh, immediate scramble for resources and violence is kind of the more popular depiction but i think that there's others and i think uh this movie surprisingly gives us uh maybe some examples of uh better behavior all right well thank you very much for that mr dalton stewart i like that very much um i would do this in a a module in a class i think on zombies and i would call this module survival period horror question mark interesting okay (laughs) is a survival movie a horror movie and uh, and so think about it like that. And I think um, The Gray is one of the first films that I would probably suggest as an option. I here. wondered. I wondered. You know, uh, even though I've had my quibbles with this movie, although I think maybe I'm coming around a little bit on that um, way back early, early on. Oh, gosh, you guys. Thank you, Arthur. Hey, I grow. I change. I contain multitudes. It's, uh, an, it's an interesting movie. You and should I- see the uh, faculty poster he has in his office. <laughs> Negative. You love it. it. Uh, But it's a good example of where this crossroads of when survival can definitely not be a horror movie, but can have some horror elements. Right. And with that uh, very first part of the module, I think the part of the double feature I might include is Castaway, which is a solitary kind of film, but it's very much a survival kind of film in a similar vein to The Grey, but with a without just the existential sort of threat there. I think I'd also make them look at The Thing from John Carpenter. I think that's a good example of that kind of stuff, alongside Ridley Scott's Alien, which, again, is a horror film that's obviously uh, sort of a slasher movie in some ways, but it's very much a sur- how do you survive this issue. Uh, next, with horror um, but survival question mark, I would look at the film Gravity. Uh, which yeah. is all about trying to survive. I like it. But 
the unknown itself is the enemy trying to actively kill Sandra Bullock. And so what does that even mean? Uh, and then I would round it out with 28 Days Later, another Zombo film. Uh, since it is going to be a Zombo course, uh, that way we're thinking, again, just about the, the logistics of survival itself and how that has worked out in that case. Um, I was thinking that I might, in, in a class, but not necessarily assign it, probably some episodes of the television show Jericho. I've talked about it before on yep. the show. We've done a show on it, it seems like, at some point. We did. We did a pilot's episode. Way back when. And uh, that's you know a, another kind of cooperative survival as well. And so I think that's an interesting um, parrot. Uh, to go along with this, I like that. we could do. I mean, you could do Walking Dead's, uh, which has kind of got the same kind of basic plot structure of Night of the Living Dead, which is this uh, forced community hmm. and then working all that stuff out, all those various assumptions and thoughts, and how we're going to make it through this thing. I like the your use of the thing because it kind of gives you the zombie as a metaphor for. Um, group think mm-hmm. sort of stuff or right. just be, being on the outs of a, a group that's getting bigger or whatever mm-hmm. yeah so um there you go dear listener your syllabus just got much longer i believe now it's time to get down to business it's business it's business time Order of business in my mind uh, is to deal with the remakedness of this, mm-hmm. and in dealing with its remakedness, which is not to be the same as its nakedness. You are having a lot of fun saying remakedness, though. Re- I could tell. Yes. I see it in your eyes. Yeah, you know, it'll twinkle. Yeah. The delight of words <laughs> is a thing for me. Um, but truly, one of the criticisms of this film is that it is substantially thinner than the original. Yeah, Ebert comes out uh, with his review when the movie comes out, says it doesn't have any of the satire of the original. Right. Uh, it's a big charge levied against it. And I don't know that it doesn't have any, but it is definitely much... Uh, it is thinner. It, yeah. is, it is lighter. Where that, that, that critique of consumer capitalism, the consumption, right, as, as zombies are consuming the uh, society around them, uh, just buying stuff, right, in this sort of new phenomenon known as the mall as a thing. Yes, it does not do this, but I think with Stephen King that this movie is doing something else, and it, it is picking one note and is just playing it really, really well. But what do we think of the thinness of this movie? Do we find this movie, because of its action movie trappings, to be a little more trite or a little less meaningful? What, where do we fall here? I think a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I mean, I, I think that makes this movie a little lighter on its feet. I think it makes it a little bit a brisker watch. So it's it's not necessarily a definite con against this movie, but it is just a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do think uh, you could probably have your cake and eat it too a little bit. More action doesn't necessarily have to mean less saying something. Uh, that does end up being mostly the case here. Uh just because it's not really that concerned with it. You know, there's some, they, they have a similar moment uh, of dialogue in this movie as exists in the original where they're like, why are they coming to the mall? And Ving Rhames is like, I don't know, have it or maybe just us. And that sort of seems to be the movie's answer, right? It's, it's probably because they want to eat us as opposed to sort of the immediate zombieing uh, enjoyment of the mall. When the zombies get in, they start trying to do mall stuff, mm-hmm. which is great, of course. Right. We love it. We love to see it. We love it when the zombies pump their own gas and land of the dead, so on and so forth. But yeah, there there is. I guess the closest we get to like real critique is one. Steve sucks. The guy with resources doesn't want to share them, and when he does decide to share his boat, he's going to be a real jerk about it. And then our mall cops uh, want to hoard their safe place. They've got a place, and they are not open to sharing it because they're the bosses, right? And, and they're s- sort of weirdly drunk on power and authority that they never really had because they are rent a cops, right? Yeah, and so they're not quote unquote real cops, you know? Yeah, they go Stanford Prison Experiment immediately, right? Yeah. But I mean, it's also them doubling down on that's it's all they have left. Yeah, and this sure. place is their their thing to protect, and so at least for the main one, I can't think of anybody's names, but it's it's his CJ. You know, yeah, what is his name? Doug Stamper. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's Bart, CJ, and yeah, knows. Uh, I I don't know that the the thinness matters as much. I mean, it's been thirty five, forty years since the mall became a thing, so I I don't know that you could have that same because I mean malls are already starting to die in the early two thousands. Yeah, right. And so I, I don't know that that critique matters as much. I mean, and I also think it's unfair to say, oh, this movie's not doing the same thing. Yet that's what we always get mad at remakes for doing is when they do yeah. do the same thing. 
And, and so I, I don't know how relevant that, that conversation is. Is it thinner? Yeah. I mean, but does it, I don't think it needs to say the same thing to be effective. And, and so I, I think expecting that is unfair to the movie. Yeah, it's and puts st- it behind the eight ball immediately as a critique. Very good point. Yeah, it's it's a studio remake of a kind of lightning in a bottle indie production. Like, yeah, of course, of course, it's thinner. Yeah, it and, doesn't have that same sort I, of project. Love trying it. to force that on it makes yeah. it even a worse yeah. issue because yeah. then it feels heavy handed or, or glad handed. I think, and I, I think there are you know we are, you mentioned the things a couple of you mentioned, but there's also some interesting stuff with. Rames as cop and his kind of mentality, plus the, the I think the race stuff with him and uh, Mackay Pfeiffer and so, and some of the things that go on there. An era where it's all subtext, but like definitely feels like it is there in the text. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels addressed but unaddressed. We don't yeah. really need to address it with dialogue. The the actors are bringing it to the bringing that subtext out. Yeah, and it works. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love that Rames is immediately ready to stop protecting and serving he yeah. sees the stakes and he's like no, i'm good and it's it's andy that gets him back in yeah okay another, i've got more to say about andy like here strange piece of headcanon that i have running in my head always when i've watched this movie the first time and again this time and there's nothing textually okay. to confirm this at all i'm ready this is just weird headcanon but i, I always slightly disbelieve that ving Rains was really a cop Interesting. Um, I think there's a dangling kind of uh, bit of his uh, CB radio. Well, that's what I, yeah. He, I, I imagine he immediately ditched it. Yeah. That that's kind of speaks to my idea that he's like, doesn't want to cop anymore. It's, yeah. The radio's unplugged. And, and but that dangling bit made me think, no, he found a cop uniform or a dead cop and said, this is a good way to get left alone and a good way to automatically just sort of have some sort of vicarious sort of authority uh, attributed to me. And I, I think my survivability rate increases if people assume I'm a police officer. I don't know that that's true at yeah, all. That's just a fun fan theory. But it's, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's just a thing that I, I did the first time, and I, I looked for the confirmation of it as I watched it again. I went, no, that wasn't in the movie. It's just a thing that runs in my head. Yeah. I love it. his big, beefy USMC forearm tattoo. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, this is small character stuff, but yeah. like tells you something about a dude. It's like, oh, okay. He's yeah, he's tough and stuff. Okay. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, so now I guess going into the the one bit of text that we do have, I have another piece I want to look at um, after this. But let's just talk about this as the sort of terrorist threat, mm-hmm. right? Um, the zombies as terrorist threat. Fear thy neighbor stuff. Fear thy neighbor. Uh, I mean, it's all invasion of the body snatchers kind of stuff. You know, you don't know yeah. who's infected. Anyone can turn on you at any given moment. Everyone is sort of a pro- pre-programmed sleeper cell, and if they go to the final sleep, the big sleep, um, they, their, their cells will be reactivated. And here we go. Um, do we have anything more to do with the sort of terror threat level thing, the suspicion, the paranoia that we want to say? No, I just think it is very much a film uh, from a, a society and culture that is deeply afraid. Uh, yeah. That is spent the last three years absolutely itching for a gunfight uh, and can't figure out why. Right. Cannot cannot figure out that its chickens came home to roost uh, and is instead outside shooting at the chickens uh, and the coyotes and anything that moves. It, it does feel very much, obviously, of its time in that way, but it also does feel like one of the few movies, I think, in this period, at least at the studio level, that does feel like it has its finger on the pulse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, and, and understanding the societal feel and being able to somehow portray that into you know what it is doing. It gets that it's an anxious time that this yeah. movie's coming out into. Yeah. Because there is a... a I think gracefully as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. It's it's there within the text of the film without being too, uh, be, like Dustin. I think you were the one that said beat quasi you about the head ambiguity. With it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just got people seem unsure of each other throughout. Even when they they do have a tendency towards helping one another, it is usually sometimes begrudgingly, often distrustingly. Uh, there there is not uh, clear lines of communication between people, and I think that's about as far as it gets. It does get. Uh, so Ken Forey comes back for a cameo as a televangelist mm-hmm. and does the Pat Roberts bit and blames it all on our loose American morals. Yep. Um, and the movie just kind of says, and that's why. And that's why. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if the movie actually says that 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 it's that's why, but it is sort of the last time we talk about it. It's yeah. Like, well, there's a moment over. of survivor guilt in the bathroom with Ving Rhames and uh, Luda's husband, whose name was as Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay yeah. Pfeiffer. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't no remember movie. what the character Andre. 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 Pfeiffer. There is this there is no movie. <laughs> this in this movie there is a Mackay Pfeiffer, unfortunately. More movies should have Mackay, is what mm-hmm. I say. But yeah, yeah Andre and, and him have that sort of 
uh, you feel am I a good guy or am I a bad guy moment? It's like, just be a good guy and just yeah. go on. Yeah. yeah. If you want to feel better, say some Hail Marys and wipe your butt and go on, right? Yeah. The good guy, bad guy questions are sort of over at this point, buddy. Right. <laughs> right. Everything's out the window at this point. Yeah. And I don't know that we get much more morality outside of that. Other CJ kind of has a small arc from being, I don't know, power hungry asshole to asshole who kind of cares. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he does, uh, he makes the ultimate sacrifice for the sake of the good. I mean, he's going to die anyway, and he sort of knows that. Yeah. But he takes many zombos with him, and so there's, there is a certain selflessness there. He could have just laid down and died. Which, and in, uh, I'll reference this Maggie Mayfish, uh, Zack Snyder series again. Uh, the, it's a three parter with a prologue. Uh, so he has four parts. The prologue's just kind of a, hey, people are mean to you when you try to talk about Zack Snyder movies, is basically all she has to say about about that but part two is the one that deals most with dawn of the dead uh and it kind of teases out this idea that in Zack snyder's world like you're already dead and the most noble thing you can do is have a meaningful death because snyder the snyder verse is heavily steeped in death and mortality Mm -hmm. um which is i think a very accurate summation of like his deal uh very much he's a, a filmmaker that thinks about masculinity and dying a lot uh and in this movie and in most of his movies that's all you can do is have a cool movie death that that's your only agency because you will probably be murdered by the movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, the, the nihilism, I think we can get to here in a moment, but before, gonna... before we turn to that though, I want to talk about formalism for just a second. Now I am speaking a little out of school because I did not rewatch the original here, but I we remem- watched it two years ago and talked about it. It's good enough. I, yeah. But I, I'm, rem- I'm not remembering a lot of handheld camera work in that film. I'm remembering it's mostly on tripods with pans and whatnot is, is, is where my memory is. Now I, I feel like there's some dolly stuff, but right. you're, the, been, the camera yeah. moves, but the camera moves mechanically is yeah. what I want to say. Not organically in that sense that organic movement of a, of a shaky handheld yeah. camera or just that, 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 that sense of organicness that one gets. I think or, there might be some during the, like the kind of chaos at the end of the movie, mayhem. but if there is, it's just there. Okay. As far as I can think, I mean, it's the seventies, not a lot of handheld in those say, movies anyway. And this is two years after born identity. So that's already kind of Everybody's shaping the landscape it. of but, cinematography. Yeah. So there, there is that for the action sequences, a lot of that shaky handheld yeah. film, mm-hmm. but also the, uh, insert, uh, television, reels that is, you're shooting a TV rather than shooting um, you know just sort of like digital you know inserts of this is a TV thing with like a you know a Chiron at the bottom right there are other choices you could make for what um, TV footage looks like and it's intentionally mm. really grainy yeah yeah and it's, it's intentionally very much we're watching this on television I, and I, I'm wondering about this movie's gestures towards realism as Ooh. a style. Well, I have an answer for you in the real world, but then we can't talk about stylistically. There is just a lot of supplemental that was shot for this. All the t- Tom Savini cameo is longer, mm-hmm. and I'm sure all of that stuff was shot on consumer grade uh, video cameras. And the movie then, itself is 35. And then they shoot it off the TV. Yeah, is, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. And then there's a lot of surveillance footage, right? Again, oh, yeah. very very pixelated, very very grainy. And again, surveillance footage is uh, again become kind of part of the lingua franca of realism. Especially in this era. Black and white, you know, uh, nighttime shot, and that night shot, you know, uh, shooting in the dark kind of um, of footage becomes, uh, in like uh, a paranormal activity style found footage film, again, lingua franca for just, this is realism. This is just a camera somewhere seeing these images take place. And then the external eye camera, EYE camera, I'm saying, not I Mm -hmm. as the pronoun, the EYE camera that looks at moves around a little bit across the CRT globe of it's all CRT. It's not digital at this point. Yeah, those um, are, most of them are anyway. Yeah, um, but it, it it gestures towards realism in a way, but realism as a, as though you're watching this on TV. When you watch it on TV, that's your experience of the real world, the mm. un the unmediated experience of the real world, and I, I wonder about that to heighten the sense of horror or uh, of emotional depth or voyeurism when we're watching Steve and it does something our blonde having sex. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I just, I'm thinking about just how the movie does something like children of men by its choice of using digital photography in a similar kind of way, gives a greater sense of immediacy because it is, I'm watching just the, the the TV footage Hmm. of this thing go down. I'm watching the TV footage of this, preacher saying these things of tom savini saying you got to shoot him in the head or what have you that those moments 
are like, this is our life. This 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 is what it would look like if we saw a zombie apocalypse. We'd watch it on TV. And the TV would be off the next day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. I like that aspect of it, for sure. I definitely... You're right. It is a choice to film a TV that's on as opposed to digitally insert something in there. And it's, I mean, if that's a composite, it's clean as heck. I'm with you. It looks like they're just filming TVs that they have turned on for the actors, which mm-hmm. is, I'm sure, nice for their process. Um, it's funny, though, the found footage thing you mentioned. There is on the DVD supplement, Andy gets his due. He gets a little uh, found footage mini film. Oh, does it's he? It's a bunch yeah. of diaries to camera. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, did you watch any of this? Is there any I've watched insight a lot, not, in the life of Andy that's I didn't rewatch it worth for, remembering? I didn't rewatch it for this. I've seen it before. I don't remember. It just, he is exactly as likable as you would expect him to be. Yeah, he's like a nice guy. The actor's really good. I lo- he gives good, nice gun guy energy, which is just a type of dude that exists. A dude that's into guns but isn't weird about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Andy yeah, yeah. is a real guy, <laughs> for sure. Nice. Yeah, I like Andy, and I, I think you're right. I, I appreciate that they... Uh, they did some world building, even if it was only for their own, you know, process of making the movie. That's, right. That kind of stuff matters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love yeah. Fort Pastor's Fallen. So, what's the bad news? You know, just I, I, I like his just like, all right, well, what are we gonna do next? Let's just keep going. His yeah. smirk after when they're playing the celebrity zombie lookalike game. He's yeah. great. He's great. Yeah. Yep. So, um, we were starting to hit a point earlier, Arthur, and I wanted to move off of it to talk formalism. What was that? Nihilism? Nihilism. Can you say some things about the nihilism of the film? Were you wanting to say something? Well, I was, it, was, it was going back to that, the dialogue of, you know, uh, deity implications of God causing this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, we see the televangelist who, who you know, blames it on our loose morals. Um, but we also kind of have that in juxtaposition with, uh, Glenn, the closeted church organist who is an atheist and doesn't believe in God, yep. uh, and then just the pure nihilism, I think, of of the film's ending, but which is interesting because it it's only as nihilist as you want it to be, depending on where you stop watching it. That's a very good point. If you cut it when the credits start, it's a happy ending. Yeah, right. they got away. They've got on the boat and they're gone. But if you watch those credits, it is decreasingly nihilistic as, as they arrive on the island only to be attacked by more zombies. Their odds are bad, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they drop the camera, so we don't know if they get back on the boat or not. And and again, what you read that yeah. as, I think, says more about you than what the film says. Because, I mean, the film just doesn't say. I mean, these are just zombies with a camera at that point. So yeah. are they being eaten? I don't know. There's a good chance. Yeah, I, I think it's high odds that they... But again, badly, I mean, I think but... it. Dep- I mean, if you even go that far, if mm-hmm. you just cut it when the credits roll, and if you're watching this on TV, I don't even know if it plays through the credits. I watched this with our... Because if it's on TNT, you know, they sometimes just scroll the credits quick or whatever. I bet they wouldn't. You're so I don't right. even know how it looks on TV. Yeah, I'm sure, especially depending on how the ad break works out. Yeah. yeah. If you just fast forward through this, uh, through this credits entirely. I watched this uh, with uh, our good friend Kirsten, and uh, during the, the kind of credits mid credits uh, handheld stuff uh, i found myself thinking this feels like a studio note like i can see there being a draft of this movie that ends on the dock at the sunrise gunshot and that's it and you're done mm-hmm. and then definitely there was a moment where i was like i wonder if this was b-roll I-, I wonder if this was some reshoot stuff that they picked up and that's why they did it on the cheapy or if this was always here uh i don't know it could go either way it was just something i found myself thinking that it does feel kind of extraneous because I don't know, happy ending is still in big scare quotes, right? Like, even if we do cut where the credits cut, and we it's don't get any more. It's uncertain. Yeah. And, yeah. You, and I think, you, again, you can read it however you want to read it. Like, That's true. They're destined for hopefulness. You know, the, the sun is rising, it's a new day. Mm-hmm. Or there's no way there's, you know, hope for them out there. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, again, your mileage is, I mean, honestly depends on the viewer. It's a read-response moment there. I, th- I think it does be, I don't know, the movie, you mentioned Glenn, and I, I forgot to bring up Glenn, but, you know, CJ's, uh, the character CJ's got some homophobia towards Glenn, and the movie's got a handful of very early aughts homophobia Couple moments. Reference. Couple yeah, of words. Just, yeah. Just, just like, well, it's, this is a movie it's of its time. It's definitely a 2004 movie. Yeah. But it does kind of speak to a certain amount of nihilism that is just kind of an, uh, if not necessarily... Uh, nihilism, just a lack of humanism uh, that kind of is in the film, despite, and I, this is just the last thing I wanted to mention, the tendency towards helping, which I know I've mentioned. When people show up at their front door, uh, everybody springs into action and says, I don't care if you don't like it, we're doing this. Yeah. When Andy needs help, they go help Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only people that don't want to help are CJ initially and then Steve. Right. Uh, and in this movie, the worst thing you can be is somebody who doesn't want to help out. Which I think is interesting. Well, and I think that's where the movie, you know, coming back to Steve, and I think it's a good note to end on because it does wrap us back into the 9-11 thing, which is the the death of irony 
and uh, mm. the return of sincerity. That that's really the problem with Steve is that he just remains ironic. I appreciate it, how he's processing the end of the world to some extent. I, I mean, I, I do too, and I think there's a there's a there's a way in which he kind of now reads a bit more likable. But I wonder if 2004. I mean, if we just thought, you know, you're joking about this, we hate you. Being and, a dad on a sitcom for several years certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, his re- that reading on Ty Burrell now, but he, I, even as a kid, I always kind of liked Steve. I yeah, thought, I thought so. Steve was fun. I liked a, that he was smug. There's a fun charm to him. Like he's yeah. he's just kind of a cool guy who's. You know, just a little sarcastic. It I mean, sucks. That... He knows how, much, how cool he is, and it is frustrating. But at the end of the day, he is <laughs> the, worst. the worst. You don't want to be with that guy at the end of the world. No. He is no a true boat. villain. Oh, yeah. He absolutely sucks, yeah. but does appreciate enough to say, hey, I don't want to bite anybody. You blow, blow me away if I get bit. That's it. Yeah. I'm gone. And there's a good payoff to that, too. There is a great payoff to that. But, of course, it is another moment where it says, ah, being a nurse, that's fine. Shooting Steve, way Even better. better. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. way better than being a nurse. <laughs> Weird movie. All right. Well, are there any final thoughts before we move into our verdict? Do fast zombies convey something different at sort of a film theory level than slow zombies? Other than an immediacy of death? I mean, thematically, there's just that idea of slow dread suspense, right? I think there's a lot more suspense with the slow zombie. I think the fast zombie kind of lends itself more to thrills and Mm. jump scares. As opposed to creeping. Because they could come out of anywhere at any time. Yeah. Yeah, the zombie as just threat is the speed, right? The zombie as corruption walking among us seems... And when they're shuffling around, you know, when they're playing the celebrity game, there's a bit more of the sort of various states of rottingness that these um, Mm -hmm. zombies are in that's more evident there. Otherwise, they're just like, ah, scary zombies after me now, you know, and... I, I think it's interesting just, you know, from a, I, I guess, from a human biological mm. standpoint, the slow zombies probably gonna make more sense with ideas of rigor mortis and like how that would affect with the zombie virus. Yeah, it's science. In, I don't know. Science. But rigor you know rigor I mean? mortis like, sets in quick. Yeah. It that seems like one. that would be a thing. But I think the idea of the primal driven to hangriness zombie mm-hmm. kind of reacting in speed to chase down its prey it's just an interesting picture. I would love to see a zombie do a stiff run, like a rigor mortis run. Mm. I don't know. I, yeah, just give me, no joints whatsoever. Yeah, no joints, all waddling. Yeah, all yeah. penguin run. Like yeah. toddlers. Running yeah, exactly. Like a toddler. Yeah. Bingo, you got it. All right. But I think it is interesting. Tell that me when, that's not frightening. <laughs> it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. When they are just kind of left to their own thing, they do just kind of putter around it. As you mentioned, outside the uh, the mall, or even when uh, Anna, Sarah Pauly's husband, uh, gets turned in the opening, right? When mm. she opens that door and he's just kind of wandering and then he sees her and yeah. hunger right. strikes. I think it does kind of have its cake and eat it too there a little bit in a way that I like. Mm. It gives it a chance to do both. Yeah. And I think it's fine uh, at doing that. Which again, a place that we mentioned in the opening, I think, with the, 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 the idea of the slow turn, how long will it take? And I think the idea of, you know, you can play with that a lot more if you do let him shuffle. Because like, oh, there's there's Steve. He's just walked. Nope, Steve's That's a zombie, and he's coming for you now. Steve, yeah. So I think it kind of goes part and parcel with that idea of how quick they turn. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, with that, then, let's go ahead and render a verdict. What do we say? Shelf or trash for Dawn of the Dead, the remake? I go to you first, Arthur. Uh, I would shelf it. Uh, I've got the fun little edition that's packaged with Land of the Dead, and so it's been on my shelf for a long time, and I, I, I really do like it. Uh, of, of the Snyder films, it, it's probably my favorite and I, I still think it's maybe his best of, of the ones i've seen there are a couple of blind spots for me yeah there's no telling if uh the guardians of gahul is a is a real knee slapper it's either guardians or army of the dead guardians One of, those of gahul two. is really good um okay i, I like it i've, okay. I've had but it on the list a, a few movie. times and we'll get to it one day i'm sure nice what do you say dalton shelf or trash uh if you can get that two-pack that arthur just mentioned i'd say get it yeah land of the dead's great mm-hmm. uh, i think land of the dead's a ton of fun it's got a great dennis hopper villain performance um, and yeah, I think they, they're kind of two great tastes that go great together, uh, despite being very different movies and very different takes on zombies. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I don't know if they put this out in a Blu-ray or 4k, it's got all the original supplements, maybe. I mean, cause there's, this comes from an era when DVD supplements were like a Loaded. whole thing. Yeah. They were commentaries, like, documentaries. Yeah. I get fake features. Yeah. yeah. Short yeah, films that take place movie during this, the movie. I, I want these dialogues. That's what I, I mean. So and that's man, what man. I've got in the two pack. So I've got, you know, a loaded version of Dawn and nice. a loaded version of land, which is really fun. Yeah. If you can find that online, absolutely shelf it. If not, eh, it'll come back on streaming at some point. You know, it's not right now, but you don't need to be in a hurry. Uh, the original Dawn of the Dead is streaming in 4K uh, on YouTube right now. Oh, well, I don't know. The, yeah. I don't make the rules. 
There you go. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalsard. I am also going to say shelf. I I just like the world of these zombies, and I think that is the mental exercise. What would I do? How would I survive? Which one of these characters would I be? And uh, and then just the the fun of the, the the thrills of the scares of this movie are totally worthwhile. And as Dalton has already mentioned, there is this Andy movie that I want to see because I want more Andy. I I don't. I have just enough to want more, and that's that's a success. All the all the people in the know are out here saying justice for Andy. That's what everybody's saying. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. more and more people are saying it, folks. <laughs> all right, so there you go, dear listener. Those were our thoughts on the Dawn of the Dead. Hey, Arthur, can you tell them how to have a conversation with us on those magical means on the social media? Hey, if you want to talk to us, you can go over to Twitter and follow us at Good Trash Media. We're gonna be uh when we do like and share uh, articles that we find uh, amusing or interesting or entertaining uh probably some memes and gifts uh movie news that comes out uh, movie trailers all that fun uh, movie stuff you'd expect from a podcast about movies uh, but we also promote some friends of the show including the praise down uh, and the will of randy and bad girls die first some great podcasts uh, about all sorts of different things uh, so go follow us there if you uh so choose uh, but you have to sign the waiver of joining twitter uh, and we will not be held responsible for anything that happens to you once you join. Uh, you can send long-form content to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, and we've had several likes recently. So, yeah, I guess if you're on Facebook, go find Thanks. us. Um, and so there we go. Uh, I think those are the means. Did I miss one? Uh, nope, we're not making Patreon content right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, rate, you review, said subscribe. Funny, but, yeah, we're not making new stuff. Yeah. There we are. Not, not at this time. But, yeah, that, that's it. Rate, review, subscribe. You know what to do. You've listened to a podcast before. I did it. You did it, Arthur. Arthur, you're getting real good at it. Thank you. That's great, buddy. Well, hey, um, I have one more task for you, Mr. Gordon. Yes. That is to tell us what to do next. Um, Shocktober 10, as it continues, what is our third installment? The fourth. The reanimated corpses of bygone franchises continue to rise as next week we tackle the 2005 update on the Amityville Horror. Ooh, Ryan Reynolds splitting firewood. All right. We're there for it. So you keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not sure.